place it comfortably. Just a few brief words for tonight. Um, you may remember a few weeks ago, if you're here, I was um, talking about a Scottish writer that I'd discovered recently whose name is Neil Gunn. And he was a very prolific um, novelist about themes of um, the Scottish Highlands. And uh, he discovered later on in his life that his way of experiencing life and his experience of nature and relating to people um, resonated very deeply with Zen Buddhism. And uh, he struck up some correspondence with um, some uh, 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 Buddhist academics in Japan and they gave him lots of books to read. He didn't so much uh, learn about Zen from that point there when he read the books. He read the books and he went, this way of looking at, the li- at life resonates with my own experience of it. It's slightly different. But uh, I was reading one of his essays um, yesterday <clears throat> and uh, there was a, an essay called The Heron's Legs and uh, it's actually the name of a very famous uh, haiku by Busan who was a, a Japanese haiku uh, poet and his um, anthology of poems is called The Heron's Legs and so <clears throat> Neil Gunn said that um, even before he came across this poem, he'd had the experience of being out um, at sunset um, by a river one day, and he was just quietly there by himself, and he saw a heron in the water, and he was just something about that, the the suchness of that, that moment, like the vividness of that moment, just struck him. And uh, he had some kind of opening experience with it where he used words which, um, which we probably wouldn't use but understand what he meant. He kind of said um, words along the, the lines that um, I know that I am I was the experience that came through in just seeing that scene. Anyway, he came across the poem about the heron and then he had the same kind of experience again when he read, when he read the poems, like that, ah, kind of experience. And I have too ever since I've come across the poem. So let me share it with you as a haiku. In the evening breeze, the water laps against the heron's legs. Um, <clears throat> when you reflect on it, there's something about the solitariness of that experience. And when I was reflecting on why it keeps resonating with me and I keep wanting to go back and read it again. Um, it's kind of like experience of sitting, isn't it? It's like the heron is just sort of standing there silently in the water. And as you just sit in Zazen, you lapped by the sounds that come against you and the sights that come against you. Right? Kind of just kind of gently lapped by the experience around you while you're just sitting there still. So that got that kind of resonance. So that inspired me then to look at a few more um, haiku. Um, <clears throat> and maybe it's just the haiku that I'm, I'm choosing here, but a lot of them often have 
um, pick up a sense of solitariness, but a kind of a, a joyful, intimate um, solitariness. Um, one of them is um, <clears throat> about a funeral. Paying last respects, gathered in small groups talking, the body alone. A spring breeze rises, breast feathers ruffle on the dead sparrow. And some funny ones too. Honeydew melons. In the store, the priest and I confess our greed. Or this one. The Roshis talk his wonderfully big ears. <laughs> Making lunch for refugees, my back turned a child. Um, Making lunch for refugees, my back turned a child picks through the garbage pail. Cucumber, unaccountably cucumbery. Sand, sundown, sea. Nobody's dog watches with me. It's some of the spirit of, of um, haiku. And what I wanted to say just briefly is a, a commentary and all of those haikus. Haiku is just kind of a, a poetic snapshot of an experience that the poets had which they just wanted to share with us so that we get that, that sense of um, suchness and the intimacy of suchness. That's what comes through. They're not, they're not, um, they're not uh, ironic or sarcastic or explanatory or making a comment on life, they're kind of the words themselves, um, a life itself. And to be open to that kind of experience, not necessarily to write haiku, but to open to that kind of experience, <coughs> we need to externalise our attention, we need to externalise our mindfulness. And um, I know it's a theme I come back to time to time in these talks, but one of the spiritual traps of meditators, including Zen meditators, is that we become internalised with our mindfulness. It's all, it becomes about examining me, and it becomes all about examining my emotions or my thoughts or how I can feel better or what's going on in my body. Now, embodiment's good, as our little essay today demonstrates, but even that needs to be the launching pad for moving out. You know, I think as we mature in Zen practice, we move out into the world more. And it's only th when, you, when you really start to get really bored with yourself after examining yourself for so long that you, you're sick of it, mm -hmm. right, then, then you're... Then you're your attention and your mindfulness will naturally start to move outwards into the world. And my sense is that's, that's the direction it needs to go in. It's also to so self-preoccupied. And then when your, your mindfulness naturally turns out into the world, that's where you see the heron. And you see the heron's legs and you see all the different circumstances of nature and social quirky things that kind of happen and because if you're just caught in this 
dream, it just all goes by and you, you, never, you never see it at all. Right? So the more that we can learn to externalise um, our, our attention, the, the better it'll be for us. We won't miss so much, you know, we won't miss the passing show that's going by all of the time. And doing this practice sort of leads to you being um, accident-prone to just sort of seeing these situations as they arise. There is a word in Japanese which is notto. Um, and notto is a sort of onomatopoeic word which means sudden, suddenly, you know, just pop, kind of means pop, suddenly. And that is the experience that you come across more and more. If you do this practice, it's kind of like suddenly pop, you know, you see the heron, right? Or you see the moon. And it just kind of comes to you when you weren't sort of really noticing it. And so that's what we can delight in more as we do this practice, is that we turn that mindfulness open so that we can have those, um, those sudden pop kind of experiences. Like I was saying in the last talk about, to use all the Zen jargon about Kensho and Satori experiences, they get built up into being some kind of cosmic, mystical experience. When, like these haiku, they just embody um, a, a, mom a moment of suchness, a moment of just so-ness. Right? And to end on, do you know one of the most famous haiku is the one by Basho, um, Old Pond, Frog Jumps In, The Sound of Water. Just that sudden splash like that. And apparently for that, for, for Basho, um, that was his awakening experience. Just sitting by the pond, not expecting anything to happen, and then splash. Right? And he's taken by that moment. <laughs>